Jesus is more than wonderful. Thank you, Connie, for that. And I'm going to have you do this this morning. If you're able to physically, would you stand for the reading today? We have a sleepy crew, and I, I may have you stand for the whole message today. Um, we're headed to Luke chapter 2. Last Sunday, we talked about planning on purpose. And today, we're going to look at the life of Christ as we cover this topic of submitting on purpose. And yeah, the notes are provided in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. Pray for each other this week. Continue to pray for the Summy family uh, who recently lost Paul. And yeah, be praying for Carolee Ayers, who's in the hospital again. And yeah, had surgery this week and had some complications. Pray for my grandmother. She's here this morning, uh, but she fell a couple times this week and had to go to the hospital. And yeah, she's a trooper, though, here this morning. Yeah, be praying for baby Grace Corder, who is... Uh, going to be having a major surgery coming up in April. I know many of you asked me on my way in, is your wife here? Is she still pregnant? Um, she's here, and yes, she is. So she's both on both accounts. So Luke chapter 2, verse number 41, as we get started this morning. Luke chapter 2, and verse number 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child, Jesus, tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that she sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank you this morning for the example of Jesus Christ in submission. We pray that... As we look at your life, Jesus, that you would help us to understand things in our own lives that need attention today. And help us to be willing to submit our hearts to you. Here this morning, throughout this week, and the days to come. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Would you please listen as Mrs. Stewart sings. washing over my feet 
Blessed are you, beggar, hopeless and blind. Calling for mercy as I'm passing by. Blessed are you, shaking your head at two tiny fish and some bread. Blessed are you as you tremble and wait for the first stone cast at your sinful disgrace. Tell me your story. Show me your wounds, and I'll show you what love sees when love looks at you. Hand me the pieces, broken and bruised, and I'll show you what love sees when love sees you. Blessed are you, walking on waves, and find yourself sinking when you look away. Blessed are you, lepers standing alone, the fear on their faces is all that you've known. Blessed are you, lonely widow who gave your last shiny coin to Yahweh. Blessed are you with your silver and lies, kissing the one who's saving your life. Tell me your story, show me your wounds, and I'll show you what love sees when love looks at you. Hand me your pieces, broken and bruised, and I'll show you what love sees when love sees you. I see what I made in your mother's womb, and I see the day I fell in love with you. I see your tomorrows. Nothing left to chance. I see my father's fingerprints. I see the story written on each page. I see. You see the struggle. You see the shame. I see the reason I came. I came for your story. Came for your wounds to show you what love sees when I see you.
Thank you, Mary, for that. Appreciate it. Have you ever heard somebody say, I know this would be far-fetched in 2013, well, I know my rights. I know my rights. And it's a pretty common phrase these days. And if you look up basic human rights anywhere, you're going to see list after list after list. And uh, I saw the other day the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. And this is published by the United Nations and their crew. And here we go. Let's go right through the list. And I'll tell you what they are. First one is, we are all free and equal. And so that means we're born free. We have our own thoughts and our ideas. And we should all be treated the same way. That's number one. Number two, don't discriminate. So these rights belong to everybody. Whatever our difference is, you can't discriminate against anybody. Number three is the right to life. We all have the right to life and to live in freedom and safety. Now, that's, that sounds really good. But the right to life should include the right to life for the unborn, don't you think? I don't believe that's God's plan. Okay, so yeah, you can clap on that. It's great. Um, number four. No slavery, past and present. Nobody has any right to make us a slave. We cannot make anyone our slave. Number five, no torture. Nobody has any right to hurt us or to torture us, even if it means stopping terrorism. I added that part. Number six, um, we all have the same right to use the law. I am a person just like you. Number seven, we are all protected by the law. The law is the same for everyone, except Congress. It must treat us all fairly. And once again, I added parts in there. It's just so hard to read through this. Now, number eight, fair treatment by fair courts. We can all ask for the law to help us when we are not treated fairly. Number nine, no unfair detainment. Nobody has the right to put us in prison without a good reason and keep us there or to send us away from our country. But they could hit us with drones. <laughs> I just keep thinking of these things. I'm going through. Number 10, sorry. Some of you are up, up in news and some of you are looking at me like, okay. Number 10, the right to trial. Um, if we are put on trial, this should be in public. The people who try us should not let anyone tell them what to do. Number 11, innocent until proven guilty. Nobody should be blamed for doing something until it is proven when people say we did a bad thing, we have the right to show it's not true. Okay, there we go. Number 12, the right to privacy. Nobody should try to harm our good name. Nobody has the right to come into our home, open our letters, or bother us or our family without a good reason. Here's number 13. I had never heard of this one. The freedom to move. Freedom to move. We all have the right to go where we want in our own country and to travel as we wish. Number 14, the right to asylum. If we are frightened of being badly treated in our own country, we all have the right to run away to another country to be safe. It's perfectly wonderful. The United Nations published this list. And you know who's on their governing board, right? Some of the worst dictators in history. Number 15, the right to a nationality. We all have the right to belong to a country. Number 16, marriage and family. Every grown-up 
has the right to marry and have a family if they want to. Men and women have the same rights when they are married and when they are separated. Number 17, your own things. Everyone has the right to own things or share them. Nobody should take our things from us without a good reason. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you think that they won't come up with a good reason? They, they will. Number 18, freedom of thought. We all have the right to believe in what we want to believe, to have a religion, or to change it if we want. So you have the right to change your religion. Okay, there we go. Number 19, free to say what you want. We all have the right to make up our own minds, to think what we like, to say what we think, and to share our ideas with other people. And Facebook loves number 19. Number 20, meet where you like. We all have the right to meet our friends and to work together in peace to defend our rights. Nobody can make us join a group if we don't want to. And once again, Facebook loved that one too. Um, some of you obviously don't know Facebook because you're just not with me at all on this. Number 21, the right to democracy. <laughs> the United Nations. The right to democracy. We all have the right to take part in the government of our own country. Every grown-up should be allowed to choose their own leaders. The United Nations. Just number 22. The right to social security. We all have the right to affordable housing, medicine, education, and child care. Enough money to live on and medical help if we are ill or old. Isn't that a great one? And we have the right, we have the right to all of those things. Number 23, workers' rights. Every grown-up has the right to do a job, to a fair wage for their work, and to join a trade union. They have the right to do that. The only problem is they don't have the right not to do it in some cases. And once again, I added that in. Sorry. I hate to confuse you with some of my own wording here. <laughs> I had never heard of number 24 either. I have to confess to you. The right to play. <laughs> the right to play. He even got an amen on this one. We all have the right to rest from work and to relax. Right? Now, if you're from the old school, here's what you would say. Of course you have that right. But your boss also has the right to fire you. <laughs> right? And you're sitting there at your desk at work, and a boss comes in and says, what are you doing? Well, I have the right to play. He says, I have the right to show you the door. Okay, so that's 24. 25, I'd never heard of this one either. A bed and some food. It's 20, 25, sorry. We all have the right to a good life. Mothers, so we don't just have the right to life. We have the right to a good life. Okay, how many are with me on this one? We have the right to a good life. Mothers and children, people who are old, unemployed, or disabled, and all people have the right to be cared for. 26, the right to education. Education is a right Primary school should be free. My favorite sentence in the whole thing. 
we should learn about the United Nations and how to get on with others. Listen to the next sentence. Do you hear the sentence I just read, right? Here's the next sentence. I'm not lying. Our parents can choose what we learn. Are you guys still here? You still understand what we're doing? 27. Culture and copyright. Copyright is a special law that protects one's own artistic creations and writings. Others cannot make copies without permission. We all have the right to our own way of life and to enjoy the good things that art, science, and learning bring. Number 28. I know this is a long list. Number 28. A free and fair world. There must be proper orders so we can all enjoy rights and freedoms in our own country and all over the world. Number 29. Our responsibilities. We have a duty to other people and we should protect their rights and freedoms. Number 30. Nobody can take away these rights and freedoms from us. And that's the end. Thank the Lord. That's the end. That's a long list. Um, here, here's the deal. If we had to lay that list out at the back today and say, how many of these rights do you agree with and would you want for yourself? Most of us would check just about every one of them. Now, if we were responsible citizens, we may not check them all. But do I have the right to have a good life? Well, of course I do. Right? I have the right to all these wonderful things for myself. We all want that. That's why it's such a long list. But the theme of the message this morning is about giving up your rights. It's about giving up your rights. We're going to talk about submitting on purpose. And in the modern world, this, I have to tell you up front, is not a popular topic. And yet when we take a close look at the life of Jesus, we find that the Son of Man constantly placed Himself under authority. The Creator of the heaven and earth placed Himself under authority. He was willingly obedient to His eternal purpose. In fact, He wouldn't submit to anything unless it agreed with His purpose. And so let's look at the passage here in Luke 2. The first thing I want to see this morning... Subject to authority. Subject to authority. Luke 2 is all about the fact that the creator of the world became a little child. And so it talks about the birth of Jesus. And made himself subject to earthly authorities to purchase our redemption. Look again at verse number 51. Look what it says. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. Jesus Christ, the eternal God, was subject unto them. He did it willingly. He was subject unto them. Subject to authority. Verse 52. Look at the result of his submission. Now, I know Jesus was perfect, but look at this. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and man. And when we talk about submission, 
we're not talking about some monkish type of self-affliction. We're talking about being under authority on the path of God's will. This isn't forced service. This is placing yourself under another person because it leads you to the purpose God has for your life. There are several types of this authority in the Scriptures. Ephesians chapter 5 and 6 talks about authority in the home and placing yourselves under authority. And uh, most of the men in here know the verse by heart, Ephesians 5, 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Right? Amen. Amen. Yeah? Now, most of you men may not know the verse before that. Or the verses after that. But you've got that one. Do you know what the verse before that says? Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Submitting yourselves one to another in the home. There has to be a leader in the home. There ought to be a spiritual leader in the home. And it ought to be the guy. He ought to be the one. Um, Ephesians 6 goes on and says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Isn't that great? Isn't that a wonderful verse, parents? I mean, praise God for that verse, right? How many of you, be honest now, your, your parent, how many of you have ever quoted that verse to your kid? Oh, yeah, there you go. Children, obey your... Or you, you said, what does Ephesians 6.1 say? And some of you kids have written that verse, and you've written that verse, and you've memorized that verse, and you will never forget what that verse says. God has a plan for the authority structure in the home. Now listen to me. When we go outside of God's structure for authority in the home, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Children who raise themselves and don't have any boundaries have much less of a chance to serve God than those who follow the authority structure. And, and so the home has this structure. But it, but it goes beyond that. Do you know that the government, the government, God tells us should be obeyed? Some of you don't believe this. Look at Romans 13. I'll show you. Romans chapter 13. Got to see this. I didn't have you turn to Ephesians because I didn't want any of you guys who hadn't underlined that special verse yet to be doing it right in front of your wife in church. So we just quoted that one today. Romans chapter 13. Look at this. Verse number one. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. It's talking about government. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. So when we put ourselves under authority, we're putting ourselves under authority that's under God's authority. The Bible says that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. Sometimes when we look at our own government, our earthly leaders, we think, well, goodness gracious, is his heart in God's hand too? Pretty sure God's still on the throne, folks. 
God knows exactly what's going on. And sometimes God gives us the fruit of our own choices. God gives us the fruit of our own devices. And America right now is paying for choices that we've made. We are. It's unfortunate. And what we do sometimes is we make a choice and then we ask God to come and bail us out. And we do that in our personal life. We make bad choice after bad choice after bad choice. And then we say, God, come and airlift me out of this situation. And God will help you from that point forward in the situation, but he won't airlift you out. You are where you are on the path you walk down. And and so God has a plan, even when it comes to government. And, And God tells us, look at this, this is amazing. In verse number four, for he is the minister of God to thee for good. Verse 7 talks about paying taxes. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So God has an authority structure for the government. Do you know God also has an authority structure for the local church? Look at Hebrews 13. Hebrews chapter 13. You hear people say sometimes things about churches and local churches. and uh, There are pastors, obviously, who distort this passage and uh, try to command you on every little issue of your life. But you hear people say, well, listen, there's nobody who's telling me how to live my life. Right? Nobody's going to tell me how I ought to live. And, and yet God has a plan for, for your life. Look at Hebrews 13, verse number 7. Remember them which have the rule over you. This is in the local church. Who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Here's what you figure out. If you are going to a local church where the word of God is being taught, where the Word of God is being preached consistently, the whole counsel of God, and you're looking at the leadership of that local church and you're saying, you know what? That's a path that I want to be on. That's a destination that I want to head toward in my life. Then the Bible says that you ought to follow that faith. That you ought to have somebody who you can remember, who you can look up to, who you can listen to. Now, the verse 7 never says there, The pastor is the only person who knows anything at the church. Never says that. Um, But yet you hear people say sometimes, well, that pastor thinks he's the only one who knows anything at that church. Never said it. I never said it. The Word of God never said it. And uh, and sometimes we get so bent out of shape about things. Look down at verse number 17. You're really not going to like this one. Look where the first word is. Obey. Obey them that have the rule over you. And submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls as they that must give account. That they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. You know what God's trying to tell you? You should be attached to a local assembly. 
And once you find a local assembly where you can say, look, I want to walk down that path. That's where I want to end up. That's where I want to head with my faith. Then you should place yourself under some spiritual authority. Because when we become our own spiritual authority, we will fail every single time. You say, but pastor, who's your authority? I think my authority is pretty big. His name's God. Now, we, we get bent out of shape on this one, but Hebrews 13 is a valid text. Can it be abused? Yes. Are there people who have misused Hebrews 13 to beat people over the head? I call it sheep beating. Are there people who have done this to do sheep beating? Yeah, there are. But that doesn't mean we should cut it out of the Bible. All right? Are there husbands who have ever abused their wives? Yep, there are. Should we cut Ephesians 5.22 out of the Bible? Are there children whose parents have not watched out for them the way they should? Yep. Should children still obey their parents? Yep. So this thing of authority gets pretty prickly really quickly. And yet Jesus who they had just found in the temple, willingly went back with them and submitted and was subject to them. He was under authority. So if Jesus himself submitted to earthly parents and earthly governments, what makes you so special that you can't or won't do the same thing? Are you more special than Jesus Christ? As the answer to that question lies in our second topic. And this is subject to advice. Subject to advice. Let me read you just a few verses from Proverbs. Listen to these. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. Here's another one. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Another one. The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the promotion of fools. Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, he will increase in learning. You know, those are just a handful of excerpts from the Proverbs of Solomon. And I love to read the book of Proverbs. It reminds me that I need wisdom and counsel in my life. Every one of us do. I don't have it all figured out, and I doubt you do either. See, here, here's the prickly issue once again. When the only people you'll listen to are yourself and the people who agree with your opinions, you are headed for disaster. Solomon said that stuff a lot, but somebody didn't listen. In fact, the story of the person to whom many of the Proverbs were directly written, his own son, proves that quite well. Solomon had a son named Rehoboam. And Rehoboam was the recipient of many of these Proverbs. All these Proverbs about how to train children, and uh, the thing about the rod of correction will drive it far from him. And uh, listen, it talks about if you love your children, that you will beat him with a rod and he will not die. Kids love that verse, right? Like, yeah, love me some more, Dad. Love me some more. Um, but all those verses have to do with this kid named Rehoboam who grew up 
with Solomon as his dad. And look over here at 2 Chronicles chapter 10 in the Old Testament. 2 Chronicles chapter 10. You got to see this. 2 Chronicles chapter 10. Here's the guy who received all these Proverbs. He grew up hearing this stuff inside, outside, every which way. So his father dies. Solomon's dead. 2 Chronicles 10, verse number 1. And Rehoboam went to Shechem. For to Shechem were all Israel come to make him king. It came to pass when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who was in Egypt, whether you had fled from the presence of Solomon the king, heard it, that Jeroboam returned out of Egypt. And they sent and called him. So Jeroboam and all Israel came and spake to Rehoboam, saying, Now this, this is the guy, Jeroboam, who had tried to steal the kingdom from Solomon. Here's what they said. They all said to Rehoboam, verse number 4, Thy father made our yoke grievous. Now therefore ease thou somewhat the grievous servitude of thy father and his heavy yoke that he put upon us, look it says, and we will serve thee. So here, here's what they all told him. Look, Rehoboam, if you'll back off a little bit, we will serve you. Right? If you quit charging us so many taxes and quit taking so many of our kids to do your work, we'll serve you. And he said unto them, Come again unto me after three days. That's pretty wise. Wait a few days. And the people departed. Now look at verse 6. And the king Rehoboam took counsel with the old men that had stood before Solomon his father while he yet lived, saying, What counsel give ye me to return answer to this people? And they spake unto him, saying, Now look, if thou be kind to this people and please them and speak good words to them, they will be thy servants forever. Look at this. Isn't this easy? If you'll be kind to them, and if you'll please them, that's what submission is. That's, that's basically what submission is. If you'll please them, if you'll be a servant leader, they will follow you. Now look at verse number 8. But he forsook the counsel which the old men gave him. And took counsel with the young men that were brought up with him that stood before him. He said unto them, What advice give you that we may return answer to this people which have spoken to me, saying, Ease somewhat the yoke that thy father did put upon us. Look what the young pup said, verse 10. Young men that were brought up with him spake unto him, saying, Thus shalt thou answer the people that spake unto thee, saying, Thy father made our yoke heavy, but make thou it somewhat lighter for us. Thus shalt thou say unto them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins. From where, for whereas my father put a heavy yoke upon you, I will put more to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. Right? So call out the whole people and tell them, look, if you think my dad was mean, I'm stepping it up 20 times more. If you think 36% tax was high, we're going up to 72%. Right? If you think that taking one of your sons for war was this big deal, now I'm going to take all of your sons. And I'm going to take your daughters too. And if you thought giving up part of your field was a big deal, now I'm going to take the whole field and it'll be mine. 
You know what Rehoboam was going to do? He was going to start a communist regime. Right? He became the head of everything. And if you read the scriptures, you found out that Rehoboam completely and utterly failed. Now, why was it? Because he wouldn't listen to advice. This is a pretty common deal. Look, folks, if I'm not even willing to submit on basic common sense advice, how will I ever submit in practice? It's not going to happen. Human pride is the number one thing that keeps people from living out God's will for their lives. Because you know better than God knows what's right for you. And you know better than any earthly authority God's given you how to handle your business. The Bible says your pride will end you up in destruction. If we won't listen to anybody, we're headed for a brick wall. And there are people in this room today, I'm sure, who have had that happen in your past, where you wouldn't listen to a soul. You wouldn't listen to what anybody told you. And you've run into some brick walls. And you would be the first one to stand up and say, I wish I would have. I wish I could have. I wish I... And we could go back and say, hey, if I could only go down that road again, I'd listen to somebody. So many times as we begin to grow older, we get up to 14, 15, 16 years old, you know what we begin to think? My mom and dad are really not that smart. Hey, right? have you seen them? They, they don't do life very well. They don't have everything figured out. And you get up to 17 or 18, and your parents are basically moronic. And they don't have any brain cells left. And when they're trying to give you advice on how to live your life and where you should work and where you should go to school and who you should date. And you're thinking about all these things and processing and you're like, they are just out of touch. They just don't know what's going on in the world today. And kind of kick them under the bus, right? And you go down life a little further and you go down the path a little further and there comes a point where you say, my dad and mom are probably the smartest people on the planet. Right? You know when it is? It's when you have your own 14-year-old. <laughs> or you have your own 16-year-old. And you begin to process those things that your parents told you. Like, oh, okay. Now I get it. Now I understand why that happened. And you go back through all of those decisions you've made in your life. But sometimes you wish you would have been smart enough to listen to somebody besides your own brain. Right? But a lot of times the only person we'll listen to is the person between our own ears. And God says, you want to do it that way? He that being often reproved, hardness to his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. James chapter 4 speaks to this. And yeah, let me read you. Something from James 4. If you're turning there, go ahead and turn there. And if I beat you there, then I'll go ahead and read it. James chapter 4. This is a great passage. Verse number 6. Here's what it says. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, 
but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So you have to be subject to advice. But then this third part, subject to affliction. When you read the story of Jesus Christ and even the prophecy, the great prophecy in Isaiah chapter 53, where it says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we were healed. He was oppressed and he was afflicted of men. Jesus voluntarily walked down Calvary's road. And I know your problems seem big today, but how big are they compared to the problems Jesus had? He carried the weight of the world on his shoulders. He carried your sins on his back. And my set of troubles is nothing compared to his. But I can only become mature in Christ if I allow the trials and tribulations to work. While you're in James, turn to chapter 1. We're going to see submission's most difficult task. Look at James 1, verse number 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. That means when you have problems. Okay, so, so the Bible tells us, hey, as soon as you have problems, you just start skipping and jumping and it's terrific. Hop, hop right through it. Another problem. Yay! Okay, number three. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Verse number four. Here, here's the key. But, look at the second word. Let patience have her perfect work. That she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Let patience. You know what that means? Allow patience. Submit to patience. Give in to patience. Be subject to patience. Allow patience to have her work in your life. And becoming subject to patience is required for spiritual growth. We sang about it this morning in a new song. I love the words. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. You know, that's the testimony of allowing patience to have her work. To say, God, as you wake up in the morning, God, no matter what happens today, at the end of this day, I'll praise you. No matter what happens in my life this week, God, I'll praise you, I'll glorify you, I'll honor you. To give God thanks in everything is the ultimate submission. It really is. Can you imagine if somebody walked up to you, right? Somebody walked up to you this week at work and slapped you across the face. Can you imagine this? Or if somebody at school came up and punched you in the stomach. Or somebody, you know, runs a red light and smashes into your car and keeps their foot on the gas. Can you imagine this? Let patience have her perfect work. And if you stop and say to that person, thank you. Now, they would take you to an insane asylum. Thank you. But that's what Jesus wants us to do. When a circumstance comes our way, He wants us to say thank you. 
Now, yesterday, um, we went to Boise for a, my wife had a, a meeting, and we were ready to go to the hospital any moment because we just don't know if she's going to be having a baby. You know, every hour we kind of, okay, how's it going? You know, let's check on this. So I was the one who drove her to Boise. And uh, while we were over in Boise, we shopped at an appliance store because our oven has gone out. And uh, we figured that out the other night when we were trying to cook, and it didn't cook. Um, so, our, so our oven's gone out. So we went to the appliance store, and we ordered the oven, and we're ready to go. And the oven gets in on Tuesday, and we've got to go pick it up. So on the way home, my wife said, what should we do for dinner? You know, the kids are home. And, ah, uh, you know what? Let's grab some Papa Murphy's. Okay, Pop, yeah, amen, right there. So we went to Papa Murphy's, and we got the, uh, the thin crust, the chicken special with the artichoke, spinach, right? How many like that one? Yeah, making you hungry this morning. We got a new one we'd never had before. It's called a stuffed crust, and it's a meat lover's, and it's like this high, right? They give it to you, and it's like, it weighs like five pounds. And then you always grab the cheese sticks just because you do, or whatever they're called, the cheese bread. So we came in the house, kids, come on in, and we're going to make some pizza, and uh, everything's going to be great. Do you remember why we went to Boise? Do you remember why we went to Boise? We went to Boise to buy a new oven, right? So I'm telling the kids, hey, kids, come on down and help. We're going to make some pizza. I just started laughing hysterically. And I yelled up to my wife. I don't remember what I said. But we both were just rolling on the floor. And so I called my sister and went over and used her oven. But um, we, we're morons. <laughs> we brought home take-and-bake pizza, and we don't have an oven. How smart are we? Could I submit to you that if we're that dumb about pizza... We may be that dumb about life, too, sometimes. And you might be as well. And yet, we sometimes say, I'm not giving in to anybody. My ideas are the best. God doesn't know what's best for me. Right? God, you go back to church where you live. I run my business. I run my family. And we refuse to allow or to let God do what He wants to do. God is patience. He's the one that's talking about here in this verse. Allow God to do His work in your life. And if we won't allow Him to do it, if we won't place ourselves completely in His arms and trust that He'll work all things together for good to those who love Him, that He will shape us and conform us to the image of Jesus Christ, then we do not have practical Christianity. We don't have it. If we can't go to God with what happens in our life today and tomorrow and this week and say, God, thank you. Thank you for bringing this in my life. Then we don't have what Jesus wants us to have. But if we could go to Him and say, God, so good. You're so good to do this. And it, God's amazing to us. But sometimes we kick and we fight. Why is it that we fight so vigorously for our rights? It all goes back to the motive of submission. 
It goes back to the me factor. Jesus set aside the me factor to hang on a wooden cross for my sins. And so many times I'm not willing to set aside the me factor to live for him. The last one I want you to see, go to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, and we'll finish up over here. Mark chapter 14. Verse number 32. And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he saith to his disciples, Sit ye here while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John, and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. And saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry here and watch. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He wanted God to airlift him out. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. That is one of the most powerful passages you could ever read in your entire life. I want to talk lastly today, subject to Abba. Subject to Abba. This is a Hebrew word. It means Papa. Or in English, Daddy. It's a term of endearment to the Father. And Jesus had already told His disciples in the great passage in John 8, I do always those things that please Him. We already said that's what submission is. He had come to earth for one reason. He loved His Father. And His Father so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. When Jesus prayed His most difficult prayer here in the Garden of Gethsemane, He displayed His life pursuit to do what pleased His Father. Any part of His life that was in contradiction with the Father's purpose would be fully yielded. Christian, what you submit to tells everything there is to know about your life pursuit. If you are subject to the lust of your flesh, it shows the direction you want your life to go. If you're willingly sub subject to the Spirit of God, it shows that you want your life mission to be the kingdom of God. Romans 6.16 lays it out this way. It says, it says, if you yield yourself, your instruments, your body, whoever you yield your instruments to, that's who you serve. Now, I'm paraphrasing the verse. That's what it says. Whoever you yield to, that's who you serve. But pastor, it's hard to submit to righteousness. I don't feel like it. My flesh wants something different. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. And it's evident that Jesus didn't feel like drinking the bitter cup. It says it right there. But he willingly walked that direction for Abba, for his Papa. He would do anything to please the Father. Most of us would do anything to please ourselves. Say, Pastor, how do you know? Because that's what we do all the time. What do I want? Where can I go? What do I feel? 
my rights, my goals, my pursuits, my wishes, what I want from my family. And it becomes a, entirely a me thing. You know why you're lacking joy in life? Because all you think about is me, me, me. Jesus had great joy. In fact, He is joy. Because He came to earth never to think about Himself, only to think about the Father and others. And when we serve others, we have such great joy. Jesus would do anything to please the Father. The servant of God has to lay aside his rights for the kingdom. It's not easy. That's not accidental. The Bible says, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. Set aside your rights for a minute. And your relationship with your mom and dad will be special. Set aside your rights for a second and you'll have peace with your husband or your wife. Set aside your rights. That's what submission is. Anytime you see a person who is shouting loudly about his or her rights, you normally see a person who's headed the opposite direction of God's will. I'm not talking here about the national freedom of speech or right to bear arms or the right to share the gospel. No, I'm talking about pure selfishness, blatant pride, sinful greed, hateful anger, envy, jealousy. It's all about me. This is what I want. The sad thing is, you'll get it. If you live for what you want, that's all you get. Whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life, that means give it up. Be subject unto someone else. He's headed the direction of God's purpose. And this is so tough for us. Nobody has a handle on submission to Christ. We all have room to grow. Want to find your life today? Lose it in Jesus. Be a servant out of love, not of obligation. Not for earthly praise, not for financial gain. This is for Papa. This is for Father. Jesus would do anything to please Him. The question today is, will you? Let's bow in prayer. As we bow, I just want to give you a second today to submit your heart before God. It's an issue we all face. And maybe you just need to kneel before God today or bow right there in your seat and say, God, I haven't given you all of me. I haven't handed over the whole part of my heart or my soul. I need to give you more. Father, would you work now today in our lives? If there's a person here in this room who has never given their heart to you to receive eternal life, I pray that today would be the day that they'd understand how to do that. If there's a believer who's struggling with submission, I pray that you would help each of us to respond to your word and to your spirit today. And to be what we've been made to be, to submit to you fully, on purpose. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Would you stand as Miss Hayne plays? The altar's open if you'd like to come and bow before God.
And just say, God, I submit my heart. I renew my relationship. I want you to know, God, I'm willing to do what...